your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 293 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick, and not going to sugarcoat this one. This was a really bad loss for the New York Rangers last night, falling 5-2 at home against the New Jersey Devils team that had not played hockey in more than two weeks, had not even been able to practice since the day before this game, and yet the Rangers found themselves seemingly out-hustled and outworked and out-skated and pretty much out-everythinged by, again, a team that had not played hockey in more than two weeks. And for the Rangers, this is their fourth straight loss. Uh, one of these four losses was in overtime, but a loss is still a loss. And this four-game losing streak that the Rangers are now on is coming off of a stretch where the Rangers went 3-0-1. So that four-game run there where the Rangers got seven out of a possible eight points, we we're all feeling so good about it. First of all, it's now a very distant memory. And secondly, it's basically been canceled out by this most recent run of 0-3-1. I mean, it's now it's basically just eight games off the schedule because the Rangers were looking up in the standings uh, before the 3-0-1 stretch. And now you fast forward, it's eight games later, and the Rangers have gone a total of 3-3-2. Three, three, and two. So, yeah, I mean, this four-game losing streak has almost undid everything that the Rangers did during uh, the point streak of four consecutive games there where they went 3-0-1. You know, it's hard to know exactly where to start in a game like this. It's, it's one of those games that just leaves you shaking your head because you feel like going in that this is the Rangers game for the taking. They're at home. They're playing, again, a team that has not played hockey in two weeks. I can't emphasize that enough. And going into this game, you know, you're playing a team that's obviously had a long layoff here. Ask yourself this question. At what point during the game do you think a team that has not played hockey in more than two weeks is going to be the most vulnerable? Well, probably right out of the starting blocks, right? Because obviously the Devils, you would think they're going to be a little bit rusty. They got to get back into the swing of things. They got to get their legs under them a little bit. The Rangers have been playing hockey this whole time. And, you know, there could be people out there who say like, well, you know, the Devils, they're fresh. They were off for two weeks. That's true to an extent. But what the Devils went through was very, very strange. I mean, you don't see a situation. Obviously, this is the COVID era, which sucks in its own right. But in the course of an NHL season, this is pretty much unprecedented, or at least up until COVID became a thing, where you have a team that just nine games into its regular season has to take a two-plus week break and not play any hockey games and not really practice at all either. Again, their only practice before this game was on Monday. So you can't possibly tell me that that's a good thing for the Devils. Yeah, you know, there's little positives you can take out of it if you're the Devils, but that can't possibly be something that these players and these coaches and everybody else affiliated with the New Jersey Devils would like to go through. So all that said, you think the Devils are probably going to be vulnerable in the early few minutes of this game, and yet the Devils were out there skating circles around the Rangers in the the first 10 minutes of this game. And honestly, this game could have been 3 nothing very easily about 10 minutes in, maybe even 4 nothing. because think about it. 10 minutes into this game, the Devils have already had two breakaway opportunities. Igor Shesterkin has stopped both. He, he got a little bit of an assist from Ryan Lindgren on the one. Lindgren made a great play, back-checking, uh, getting back into position, and lifting the Devils' stick right when he was on the doorstep and, uh, you know, 
attempting to get the puck past Igor. But Igor stops two breakaways, and he also had two other really fantastic saves. There's one where he's down on the ice, and he just reaches out with his left arm to keep the puck out. And there was another one where the Devils went in with a two-on-one, and uh, probably his best save of the night for Igor. Igor was fantastic in this game, despite giving up four goals. But Igor basically had to move very fast to his left, kicked out his left pad, made a full extension skate save to keep the puck out. So, yeah, it was still scoreless after 10 minutes, but anybody, even if you've never watched hockey before, you could watch this game and you would know that the Devils had clearly had the better play in the first 10 minutes. And when else would a team like this be vulnerable? Again, a team that has not played hockey in more than two weeks. Well, probably late in the game in the third period, right? Because they haven't really been able to do any hockey activities. You figure the Rangers would have the conditioning edge over a team like the Devils in a spot like this. I mean, you can't say that for sure, but logic would dictate that, yes, the Rangers, if there's a close game late in the third period, it should be to the Rangers' advantage in a game like this. And yet the Rangers were bad in the third period. They just And this continues another season-long trend where the Rangers just do not get the job done in the third period. And Despite the fact that the Rangers had not played a perfect game after two periods, you know, they definitely played better in the second period. I think far and away, the second period was the Rangers' best effort of the night. And in fact, they even got a really late goal from Pavel Buchnevich. I believe there were 32 seconds left in the second period. Kreider with a nice cross-ice pass. Buchnevich buries it. It's 2-2. Two to two. It's 2-2 two to two going into the third period. And yes, the Rangers have not played perfect up to this point, but you still think, like or you would think anyway, if not for this uh, trend of poor third periods, that this game is the Rangers for the taking. Everything is still right there in front of them. You're playing a team that I think a lot of us coming into the season would just say that the Rangers are flat out better than. They clearly have more just raw talent than the Devils do, I would argue. But you go into the third period, and the Devils get the jump on the Rangers somehow, and the next thing you know, uh, it's a 5-2 to two loss. And so again, two portions of this game where you would think that the Rangers would really have a big-time advantage on the Devils, given that they have not played hockey in more than two weeks. I know we keep saying that, but it bears repeating uh, just based on the lackluster performance that we got at the Rangers and just the inability to take advantage of a team that probably should have been rusty and it should have been very beatable last night. But two periods of this game where the Rangers should have had a clear advantage, maybe the first 8, 10, 12 minutes when the Devils are rusty, and down the stretch where the Rangers you would think would have uh, better conditioning than the Devils and just be able to skate circles around them. And the Rangers were vastly outplayed in both those two chunks of the game. Not good. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.builtbar.com.
Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. And really, it's gotten to the point where I no longer have a good feeling when I'm watching the Rangers in these close games. You know, if they're tied going into the third period or they're up by a goal or they're down by a goal, it's getting very, very hard for me to feel good, to feel confident that they're going to win the game. And I got to be honest with you guys, that was the case last night. I'm watching this game in the third period. There's 13 minutes. There's 12 minutes left. It's still tied at two. And I don't feel like the Rangers are really having great play to start the third period. And I'm kind of just watching and you just have a bad feeling in the pit of your stomach that it's not going to work out. And I'm somebody who's always positive when it comes to my sports teams. You know, I always think, oh, the Rangers can pull this off. The Yankees can pull this off. Just got to string a couple hits together for the Rangers. You know, just got to bear down here in crunch time. Get that big, uh, decisive goal late in the third period here. But right now, it's getting very, very hard to do that because everything we've seen this season suggests the opposite, that the Rangers are not going to get it done in the third period. And what's so disheartening about this is that the Rangers, even as an extraordinarily young team last season, that's an area where they were very good. They were a very good third period team. If they took a lead into the third period, they were going to win the game. And if it was tied in the third period, it felt like they were going to pull it off. And in the second half of the regular season last year, the Rangers we're so money in crunch time. Maybe there's uh, a resurgence coming. Maybe in the second half of this season, the same thing will happen. But last season, down the stretch, when the Rangers were, you know, before the pandemic, when they were scratching and clawing and fighting their way post-All-Star break to get back into the playoff race, a staple of this team was getting it done in crunch time. You know, they would win a game in overtime or the game would be tied going into the third period and they would score a late goal to get the win there. Or maybe they'd be down by a goal in the third period and they'd tie it. And maybe they'd lose in overtime then. But you know what? They came from behind and they got a point out of it. And, you know, it just, it's not happening this year. It, it's the complete polar opposite. This has been a team that simply is not getting the job done in the third period until that starts to change a little bit, until the Rangers come up with a come from behind win in the third or, or they go into the third period tied and they win that game or they win a game in overtime. I, mean, I know they have the one win in overtime against Buffalo, but they have not been good in overtime at all this season either or until it gets to the point where they can preserve a one-goal lead in the third period. How are any of us going to feel any different watching these games? It, it's hard to have a confident, positive feeling when the Rangers are, say, tied 2-2 two to two and there's nine minutes left in the game uh, like last night. You guys saw what happened down the stretch. So, I don't have the answer right now, but for whatever reason, the Rangers have done a complete 180 in the third period this season, and that's something that they are going to have to fix going forward if they're going to have any hope of getting back into this playoff race here. Some growing chatter on social media from some Ranger fans, definitely not all Ranger fans, but there are some Ranger fans who are kind of becoming more vocal, basically calling for David Quinn's head, wanting him to be fired. Look, we're not there yet, guys. I mean, I think that you got to be realistic and understand that when David Quinn was hired to take over this team, it was done so with the idea that this was going to take some time, that this team is literally tearing everything down and rebuilding completely from scratch. They're not going to be a Stanley Cup contender in two or three seasons. It was going to take some time. And I think the biggest gripe that I'm seeing that people have with David Quinn as far as, you know, why they want him fired is that, you know, the players aren't developing. And 
I don't necessarily believe that that's true. I mean, you can look at somebody like Capo Caco and say, well, he could be further along than he is right now, although I think Caco played very well in this game last night. For whatever reason, Caco just can't quite seem to finish, and we're going to talk about that as well as the Rangers in general not being able to finish their scoring opportunities as soon as we start getting into the finer points of uh, this game last night. But first, I just want to address the David Quinn situation here. Alexi Lafreniere, obviously another player, the number one overall pick, all this hype, only has one goal so far this season, but... I would counter by saying, look at the rest of this lineup. For for anyone who thinks that, you know, nobody's developing under David Quinn. All right, let's, let's look up and down this lineup a little bit here. And in fact, let's start with the defenseman. So you can't tell me that somebody like Adam Fox has not developed under David Quinn. Are you going to try saying that Ryan Lindgren has not developed under David Quinn? How about Keandre Miller? How's Keandre Miller done so far this season? Yeah, I'd say he's developing just fine under David Quinn. Even Liber Hayek. I mean, I... Don't know that he's been playing at an all-star level or anything like that, but he looks like a much better player this year than he did at any point last season. I thought he had another uh, solid game last night. And how about Igor Shesterkin? I think he's doing okay, right? I mean, I know he allowed four goals last night, but that's very misleading. Igor Shesterkin was fantastic in this game. And you could look at Igor and say, well, you know, that's the work of Benoit Allaire. That's not so much Quinn. That might be true to an extent. I'm sure Allaire has a lot to do with the development of Shesterkin, but... Quinn is still Shesterkin's coach. He's the head coach. He has to push the right buttons. He has to uh, get his head in the right place and put him in a position to be successful in the NHL. And I think he's doing that so far as far as the forwards are concerned. Pavel Buchnevich has developed under David Quinn. And I know Buchnevich, he could be a little bit frustrating because he's so hot and cold. He's so up and down through the course of a season. We've even seen that so far this year. Uh, it was nice to see him finally get another goal last night, tying the game at too late in the second period there. But Pavel Buchnevich is a guy who continues to get better and better and better every season. And is he at the level where the Rangers would ultimately like him to reach? Maybe not, but he's still developing under David Quinn. I don't think that can be denied. Ryan Strom, you know, with him, it's a little bit different because he was kind of a career journeyman and just kind of came over to the Rangers last season. And yes, playing with Artemi Panarin last year certainly helped. But under David Quinn's watch, Ryan Strom had a career season last year. Mika Zibanejad, I mean, again, he's starting to push 30. I believe he's 27 or 28 right now. So... You could argue that he's not really in the developmental phase anymore, but be that as it may, uh, Mika Zibanejad, with the exception of this season, has gotten better every single season that he's been with the Rangers, and these last three seasons, or two seasons and then 14 games into this year, he has developed under the tutelage of David Quinn. So, you know, I know that Kako and Lafreniere, the fact that they aren't exactly stuffing the score sheet every night, that tends to stand out in the minds of Ranger fans. But you can't look at this team and go up and down the lineup and say that nobody is developing under David Quinn because it's simply not true. Now, for people that, that really want David Quinn fired and he's not the right guy and he's not getting these players developed and they're not playing hard for him, the, the effort's an issue— Look, if we get to the end of, I would say, next season, and we're still at a point where we're not getting really a whole lot out of Capo Caco, we're not getting anything out of Lafreniere, this team is not improving, they're not at least in the race to make the postseason, then I think at that point, yeah, we can probably start to have the conversation, is David Quinn the right guy for this job? But you got to remember, he inherited, when David Quinn took over this team, he was not taking over a team that was expected to compete for a Stanley Cup. He wasn't taking over a team that was in a one or two year window, you know, an aging veteran team. We got to win the Stanley Cup this year or it's just not going to happen. That was not the situation for the Rangers. They were not expected to be a good team. And really, when you look at last season and especially the second half of last season, they vastly exceeded expectations under David Quinn. Nobody thought the Rangers were going to get anywhere near the playoffs. I know some of us did because you want to be optimistic about your team going into the season. And even I going into last season, I kind of pegged the Rangers as kind of a 50-50 bubble team as far as making the playoffs. Now, 
we all know the pandemic happened. It ends up being a 24-team tournament instead of a 16-team tournament. So we'll never know if the Rangers would have completed their run to the playoffs under a normal 16-team format. But either way, the team clearly exceeded expectations last year under David Quinn, especially in the second half of the season. And this year, same thing. You know, I had them as a 50-50 playoff team coming in. We'll see if they're able to turn it around. They were great in the second half of last season. The problem is this year, you're only playing 56 games. The Rangers are through exactly a quarter of the season, and they've only won four games. So that's pretty jarring to say that out loud. But again, David Quinn is going to get some rope here because he took over a team that was absolutely starting from scratch. And let me just say, I'll be the first one to admit that David Quinn is not blameless here either. When you've got a situation where after the game and post-game pressers, you've got Chris Kreider saying the effort was a problem. You've got Mika Zibanejad saying the effort was a problem. And you've got the coach himself, David Quinn, saying the effort is a problem. That's on the players, but it's also on the coaching staff. These guys have to be able to push the right buttons and get these guys ready to play some freaking hockey because that just was not the case last night against the Devils, for the most part. Again, you know, the Rangers, they played well in spurts during this game, but it wasn't enough. you got to play for 60 minutes, and you got to go out there and get the jump on a team, again, that has not played hockey in more than two weeks. So, you know, David Quinn, not entirely blameless, but I'm not ready to, uh, you know, throw in the towel here, have a knee-jerk reaction, and just fire David Quinn and bring in somebody random uh, while you're still going through this rebuild. I think when the Rangers hire him, they figured that he was going to be the coach for the long haul. And again, if you guys want to talk, if next season goes by and the Rangers are nowhere near the playoffs and you guys want to talk about maybe looking to do something different with the coach, I'll hear you out at that point. I mean, we'll see where everything is. We'll see how these players have developed. But right now, yeah, I can't make a you know total knee-jerk reaction just because the Rangers are in a losing streak here in just the third year of David Quinn's tenure when he inherited a team that we all knew was going to go through a rebuild and was going to go through some growing pains, and obviously that's what we're seeing right now. So try to stay patient. Try to hang in there. I think all this is going to pay off in the end. It does take some time. The Rangers are going through a rough patch right now, but I will at least be fair to you guys. For the people that want Quinn gone, I will say that if the Rangers get to the end of next season and they still you know, are not even in the playoff mix, then we can start to have a little bit of a conversation of whether David Quinn is the right guy for this job or not. But right now, I think overall he's done a pretty nice job throughout this rebuild. Players have developed under David Quinn, whether people want to admit to that or not. And I do still think this is a team overall that's moving in the right direction. It's just they're going through a rough patch right now. And they're just, for whatever reason, not finding a way to get it done in crunch time. But I don't think the right thing for these Ranger players and this Ranger organization is to just make a knee-jerk reaction and fire the coach a quarter of the way into his third season behind the bench. To me, that would kind of look like a panic move, and I don't know who the next coach would be. If you guys have any ideas, feel free to share them with me. But, you know, for me, I got to move forward with David Quinn here, and uh, hopefully, just like the Rangers did last season, hopefully they can turn it on in the second half of the campaign and uh, make a run at the postseason here, because we are only a quarter of the way. There's still time to turn this thing around. Rangers Rangers just got to get better in crunch time, and they need more out of their superstars. That's another thing. You know, people want to blame David Quinn for just about everything. It's kind of hard if you're David Quinn to just push a button and get Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider and even Capo Caco. And again, I know Caco was good last night, but he's just not finishing his scoring opportunities like a lot of players on this team are not finishing their scoring chances. And Quinn can't shoot the puck for these guys. He can't make them pass when they should be passing rather than shooting. He can't make them shoot when they should be shooting rather than passing. That's on them. That's on the players. They have to get better. And a lot of star players on this Ranger team, you can look at Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider for starters. The Rangers need to get more out of them. It's just that simple. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by betonline.ag. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Bet online offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. Every Wednesday on Locked On NHL, take a deep dive into the Western Conference with Sarah Evampato of Locked On Kings and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers. Whether it's a look at top-end contenders like Vegas and Colorado or breaking down the rebuilds of the Kings and Blackhawks, Locked On NHL has you covered on Western Conference Wednesdays. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I said we weren't going to talk about David Quinn for too long today. Apparently, I lied, but uh, that's okay. You know, we'll wrap up today by talking about some of the finer points from this game. Something else I'm noticing from the Rangers that seems to be a trend recently or well, this one we've talked about before, but the Rangers just cannot finish their scoring chances. You know, they get the puck in uh, prime real estate and they either try to make an extra pass or they shoot it wide of the net or they do what they did last night and that's fire just way too many shots right into the breadbasket of the opposing goalie. Now look, Mackenzie Blackwood, we, we've talked about how the Rangers, every single game, they go up against a goalie who seems to have his A-plus game. He stands on his head. He just will not let the puck get by him. Mackenzie Blackwood was not that goalie last night. He was good. Mackenzie Blackwood stopped 37 or 39 shots. He definitely made some nice saves here and there. Uh, I think you got to tip your cap a little bit to him. But did anybody watch Mackenzie Blackwood last night and think like, man, this guy, yeah, he stood on his head. He was fantastic. Highlight real save after highlight real save. Because I certainly didn't think so. I thought between him and Igor Shesterkin... Igor was actually the more impressive of the two goalies. Now, Igor only stopped 32 with 36 shots, so obviously he had fewer saves and uh, clearly not as good of a save percentage. But if you look at this game and you take, say you take the best 10 saves of the night from both of these goalies combined, I bet at least seven of them were made by Igor, and that's a minimum. So again, Blackwood was good in this game, but I feel like the Rangers, every time they get a scoring chance, they just were firing the puck right into his stomach. I mean, these are saves that you or me could have made because you'd have no other choice but to make the save. The puck is just hitting you right in the midsection. So I don't know, and I don't know what the solution to that is. I guess the Rangers just need to be more accurate with their shots and put it into positions where the goalie can't make such an easy save because they're just making it too easy right now. And people have been talking about how Mika Zibanejad is starting to play a little bit better, and that is true. I, I do think overall, you know, maybe at least compared to where he was at the start of the season, he has been a little bit better. He had four shots on goal last night, but how many of those shots really looked destined like they were going to go into the net last night against the Devils? I don't think too many, and I think Mika, as much as anybody, uh, kind of suffered from this issue where he's just making it way too easy for the goalie to make the saves. So again, I, you can't just push a magic button, but I think at some point the Rangers need to just start taking better shots and put the puck in a place where you got to make this goalie uh, make a difficult save. And last night, I don't think the Rangers did that. You know, you look at this, and I found it hard to believe that the Rangers ended up with 39 shots on net. I wouldn't have thought it was that many, but I think part of the reason why it didn't seem like there were that many shots on net is so many of them were just so easy for Blackwood to stop. And again, Blackwood did make some nice saves, but overall, I think the Rangers just made it too easy on him last night. 
We also got to talk about the injury to Jacob Truba. He leaves the game with an upper body injury, and they announced going into the third period that he will not return. Obviously, we just got to keep our fingers crossed there that nothing is seriously wrong with Jacob Truba. He's a player that the Rangers can ill afford to lose. I think overall, you know, the Ranger top four defensemen have been very steady this season, but Keandre Miller was out of the lineup last night, and if he's going to be out going forward for any more games, and Jacob Truba's out as well. You're down two of your best four defensemen, and that's something the Rangers just cannot afford to have happen right now when they're struggling the way they're struggling. Again, we are 14 games into the season. A quarter of the season is over, and the Rangers have four wins, and taking away two of the four best defensemen, uh, that's not going to do the Rangers any favors at all, and I think Truba's absence was definitely felt in the third period last night. There were a couple of instances, specifically on the Devils' fourth goal, where it felt like they just flat out outworked the Rangers. They wanted the puck more than the Rangers wanted it. Maybe if Jacob Truba's out there, you know, he's a tough physical player. Maybe he would have made it uh, difficult for the Devils to control the puck for as long as they did in the Rangers zone. But be that as it may, he was not available. The Rangers still had to find a way to get it done last night. They did not get it done. But Jacob Truba and uh, Ke'Andre Miller too, both players that the Rangers can ill afford to lose at this juncture, especially when they're struggling and needing some wins to get back into the playoff chase here. Truba in this game also had a really uh, frustrating series of events in the second period. Like I said, the second period was far and away the Rangers' best effort of the night, but the score was tied at one, and the Rangers actually won a faceoff. I, I know, it's crazy, but they won a faceoff, and there's clearly a set play here. They move the puck across the ice to Jacob Truba, and Truba rings the puck off the crossbar, and it goes out of play. And then a minute or two later, the Devils just throw the puck at the Ranger net, and it bounces off Jacob Truba and goes in. So instead of the Rangers being up 2-1 to one on a goal that would have been scored by Jacob Truba, they are now down 2-1 to one on a goal that deflected off of Truba's leg and went into the net. It's not his fault. I mean, it's one of those plays where there's not a whole lot you can do if you're Truba or Eeyore Shesterkin, but just an unfortunate series of events. Rangers clearly not getting the breaks there, but at the same time, they didn't do anything to deserve the breaks in this game last night. So it's not a situation where, you know, I can point at the hockey gods or I can say bad puck luck and this and that. Yeah, there was bad puck luck on that play, but the Rangers, they don't exactly make themselves sympathetic when they come out with the effort that they gave in the first period and when they play as poorly as they did down the stretch in the third period here. Look, I mean, they, they didn't do anything to earn any breaks last night, so it, it's hard to feel bad for them uh, when they get a bad break going against them here, the puck deflecting off of Jacob Truba and into the net. I figure we might as well also talk about the other Ranger goal that was scored in this game. I mean, we got to talk about something positive here, and we've already talked about the Buchnevich goal. So let's go ahead and talk about this goal by Colin Blackwell. And it was all set up by Philip DiGiuseppe. He does not get an assist on this play, but he really should because he kind of forced this entire thing to happen. So the puck is back in the devil's zone, and Philip DiGiuseppe goes in hard on the forecheck, puts some pressure on the New Jersey defenseman, and it results in a turnover. Brett Howden comes up with the puck. Howden is moving toward the center of the ice, but he sees Colin Blackwell, you know, coming into the zone. So Howden just leaves the puck there for Blackwell. Nice little drop pass by Howden. Blackwell picks it up, rings his shot off the pipe and into the net. So that ties the game at one. One uh, great play there, and it's great to see Colin Blackwell continue to play well for the Rangers. Maybe they found a little bit of a diamond in the rough here, but that also leads me into my next point. You know, when guys like Colin Blackwell are jumping off the screen more than Chris Kreider, and when guys like Philip DiGiuseppe are jumping off the screen more than Mika Zibanejad, and that is 100% accurate, by the way. This is not hyperbole. This is not me exaggerating to make the point. You notice Phil DiGiuseppe in these games, and you notice Colin Blackwell in these games more than you notice these star players in the Rangers. 
that's not good. That has to change. And I know, you know, for a while there, it looked like Kreider and Mika were starting to both find their games a little bit. And maybe it's coming. You know, maybe there's a, a big-time breakout coming for either or both of these players. Maybe once Mika gets, uh, you know, his second goal of the season, they'll start coming. You know, the avalanche will start, and he'll be back to being Mika Zibanejad. Man, I, I at this point, I just don't know what's going on. You know, and Mika Zibanejad through. 14 games this season, has one goal and two assists, and I know he had the bout with COVID, uh, and again, my sympathy to him having to go through that, it sucks. Everybody I've talked to who's, who's had it, they do not paint a very rosy picture of what it does to you, and obviously it's claimed thousands upon thousands of lives in this country, but is that still an issue for Mika Zibanejad? I don't know. I can't say that for sure. I'm just hoping at some point here, uh, the guy who is our second best player on the team after our Temi Panarin begins to play like our second best player on the team, especially when our Temi Panarin is out with an injury. They need Mika Zibanejad and Chris Cryer to step up. I think if you look top to bottom on this team, and you know, I hate playing the blame game and I hate pointing fingers because the Rangers are a team that's not what a good team does. You don't just assign blame to certain guys, but I mean, let's be honest here. Who are the biggest underachievers on the Rangers so far this season? Yeah, it's Mika Zibanejad and it's Chris Kreider. In terms of expectations, you're expecting these guys to produce and they're just not doing it right now. So hopefully they can turn it around and the Rangers will be back in action trying to break this four-game losing streak on Thursday against the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll see how it goes. I would imagine they'll go back to Igor Shesterkin. I don't know that for sure, but playing a new team this season, playing the Flyers for the first time, maybe they can get it going. Maybe the Rangers are simply due for a win. We'll just have to wait and find out. But either way, we will be back here to talk about it on tomorrow's episode. But that's going to do it for today, guys. Once again, thank you as always for tuning in. If you would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.